Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Hello and welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents. Uh, I am your host. I'm fortunate enough to be your host today. My name is Ray Gerard. With me in studio today, Father Jim Matulski. Father, welcome to the program. Thank you, Ray. So uh, as, uh, as Matt said in our introduction, we are coming to you live from uh, the Rome of the West. We're a little pretentious. We give ourselves that title. Uh, but the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. And we're here today with, with Father Jim, and we're going to be talking about conversion. But before we do, like we, we always start every program with a prayer, and we usually offer our guests the opportunity to do that. So today's not going to be any different, and so I would, I would like to ask Father Jim if he would, in fact, start us with a prayer. Be glad to. In the name of the Father, and of the, the Son, Son, and of the, the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. Loving Father, we come to you this day, and we ask your Holy Spirit to be with us as we try to learn from what Jesus has taught us how to live in a way that directs us into your great plan for us, for the church, and for the world. Help us this day in all the days of our life to seek you more than anything else and to trust in your love for us and to allow that love to permeate everything we do and to allow us to bring your good news to others by the way we live and the way we pray and the way we worship. We make this prayer of you who live and reign, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Son, Son and Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, uh, so Father, um, we were talking uh, before the program, you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about conversion. So perhaps you could uh, tell us why uh, you think that is, is important for us today. All right. Well, the last couple of weeks, I've been, first of all, I, I think everybody realizes that there's a lot going on in the world right now, um, and a lot of people are very confused, and some people are very scared. And I've heard people ask me, and I've heard people ask others, is this the end of the world? <laughs> and uh, who knows when the end of the world comes? Jesus says only the Father knows. So I do know this, that sooner or later, each one of us are going to face the end of our world, uh, our life here on earth. And uh, so it's so important for us to be ready for what is to come. But when we look at the scriptures, we're not just supposed to be concerned about Jesus' teachings to cover ourselves for getting to heaven. We're supposed to be part of his great plan to save the world. You know, uh, God created all things good, we're told in Genesis. And then we're told that Satan came and he tried to disrupt what God had made. And when Adam and Eve left the Garden of Paradise, the Garden of Eden, 
they were told that by God that he would find a way to return them to restore what was lost by sin. And we are all part of God's great plan to bring that about. I don't know that any of us realize how important we are in this, this great plan of God, but Cardinal uh, Newman, I hope, said this. I, I can't find it anywhere. I, I looked before I came today to see, well, where definitely did this quote come from Cardinal Newman? And I can't find it, but I believe he said this. He said, I have been created by God <clears throat> to do something and to be something for which no one else was made. Yes. And I think that's a very important thing for all of us to come to understand. Yeah, I mean, we don't think in those terms most of the time. I mean, we don't, we don't think that we have, that we're also very important. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of things in our culture and our society today that tell us, you know, uh, that, you know, uh, really things, things are passing. I mean, uh, there's a lot of influences that say, you know, there is no, you know, there is no life after this, for example. And, and so therefore, you know, all of us are really like not important in any kind of an ultimate sense. But of course, um, of course, that's, that's, just a, that's just a tremendous fallacy. And as, as you're saying, we all do have, I mean, as a matter of fact, not only is there, do we have a role, but what is it was Jeremiah uh, and where else in Scripture does it talk about the fact that, hey, he knew us before we were born. Exactly. He's had a plan for us before we were even born. First chapter, Jeremiah. Yeah. Before you were born, I, kn- I formed you in your womb before you were born. I knew you. I dedicated you. I made you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah's whole life was already in God's plan yeah. for, the, his, uh, for the help of the Jews and their tremendous time of turmoil that God knew was going to come. I mean, that's kind of a staggering thought to actually believe, that God has a plan for me and he knew me and loves me before I was born. And if you keep that, I suppose, in your, in your mind and you go about trying to live your life, trying to discern that plan, it makes for a very different kind of way of looking at the world, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And it's not just a general plan. You know, what we have to understand, I believe, is that God being eternal, you know, we are told... I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. For God, there is no time. So God sees everything. He knows everything. He knows how everything's going to play out. He doesn't make it play out that way. He knows how we're going to decide to have it play out. And when he knows that we're going to decide incorrectly in terms of his plan, he has plan B already in motion. Right? <laughs> so maybe if I fail to do what God wants me to do, he will make he is not going to stop. He's going to make sure his plan for the salvation of the world takes place and he will send another person to do what I was supposed to do and didn't do or else he will correct my course of action somehow and make sure that I get it done. There is some I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, and it's not just for my sake. It's because he has a plan to save the world. And he's not going to let Satan, who is going to try to get in the way of God's plan, he's not going to let that happen. It, 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 Satan might throw little uh, curves in, in, the, in, the, in the game plan, but that's because we are not necessarily going along with what God wants. But when we begin to 
uh, move in God's direction, or if we don't, God will make sure what has to be done will be done by somebody else. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say there are some people that I pray for who I knew like 10, 15 years ago, and I could have done more for them than I did. And I pray for them all the time that somebody else came and finished the job. And, you know, it's something I look back on, and I wish, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of regret there, and I wish I had done more. Um, but hopefully, yeah, he, hopefully he's filling in the blanks. Right, right. Yeah, I have the same thing. I think I should have never done this to this person, or I may have hurt them in some way. I asked God to bring his healing to that person. And probably God can move back into time and, and already begin to start the healing at the moment that I caused the problem for them, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, God just wants to restore everything. He wants nothing lost. Everything is good in God's eyes. We are All of his creation is good. He wants it all to be... He wants everything the best for us. And sometimes we... We don't realize that. Yes, yes. And even, you know, when you, you think about your daily activities. Uh, so two Sundays ago, we heard, now this is going to, maybe you're going to think I'm a flake after I say this, but. Well, I'm thinking that already. I'm just not telling you that. <laughs> so anyway, two Sundays ago, we heard about the 5,000 being fed. Now, obviously, that was 5,000 men, so there's probably 20, 30,000 people there being fed. And what does Jesus do? He says, well, how are we going to feed them? Well, he's throwing it on the apostles, saying, hey, you know, what, what, what do you think we should do? So he's saying, this is my concern. How are you going to respond? That's interesting. So the apostles said, well, I don't know. We, can't, <laughs> we don't have anything. And then one of them comes up and says, well, there is a boy here with uh, five barley loaves and two fish. Maybe that's the answer, okay? So Jesus said, well, bring them to me. Bring, bring, bring that to me. So think about this. A little boy was responsible for Jesus's, not responsible, but played a part in Jesus's miracle. If it wasn't for that little boy bringing these five barley loaves and two fish, the miracle would have never happened that way. And if it wasn't for his mother making the barley loaves, right. it wouldn't have happened that way. Right. And if it wasn't for his father probably doing the fishermen, it wouldn't have happened that way. So those two did what they were supposed to do, not knowing that they were going to and. create a miracle. And, and if it wasn't for the person that made the fishing nets, which was probably the mother, after the hemp had been grown in the ground and nurtured and then spun into linen to make the nets, the father would have never been able to catch the fish when he went out to sea. And he would have never been able to go out to sea unless there was somebody cutting the wood down to create the boat and the carpenter that made the boat. Every one of those people were part of that miracle that they didn't even know they were going to be part of. And what I'm saying is that if we do what we're supposed to be doing every day for the honor and glory of God, no matter what it is, how small it seems, how insignificant it seems, it seems like our daily chores, whatever, we're participating in something more than we could ever imagine. We don't know what God's going to do with what we're doing. All we know is that if we're doing the right thing and the good thing, 
we're being part of God's plan. We might not see the results. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you started with, um, with something that I hadn't even thought of before. It never occurred to me before that Jesus said, well, I have this concern. This is what I have in mind. Now, how are you going to do this? And, of course, that's a tremendous—I mean, it's just, I, I never thought of it like that way before, but that's what he tells all of us, right? Exactly, exactly. I've got these people that I've—my wife likes to talk about people being put in your garden. You know, you've got these people that are in your life, they're in your garden. Now, what are you going to do for them? Exactly. Yeah. Our, a lot of times we—God puts people in our, uh, in our sphere that need help, and we pray to God, oh, help them. Right. Well, God's just put them in our sphere, so we help we them. <laughs> and we kind of like negate our responsibility, throw it right back into God's hands. And God wants well, he just us smiles to smiles and wait. Let's <laughs> just wait. Maybe they'll come around. Wake up. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's why you're there. You're there, and they're there. Yeah, that's, so. that's important. That's special. No. Um, so I thought it's it's kind of funny because um, you were know, talking about. You know, what does he want us to do and how do we do little things for other people? I you know, had an occasion for that th- just this week. Um, there's, a pers- there's, a, a, there's a personal story, so I don't know, maybe, but I'll, I'll try to keep this brief. But uh, there's a person in our family who um, just sent out a rash of letters to people saying basically she didn't want to talk to any of them ever again. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's... Uh, I think it's fair to say she's difficult to talk to. And um, I was thinking to myself, you know, what would God want me to do? I, I, you know, I mean, am I going to get to that point where a couple of years from now, uh, or, you know, hey, when, when my time is done, I mean, we don't know about when the world's going to end, but we know, you know, at some point, you know, our life is going to end. And when I get to that point, am I going to say, gee, I, I wish I'd have done something? So thinking of that, I decided I was going to call this one. So I did. And, you know, for like five minutes or more, she just complained about, you know, other people, just all kinds of things, complaining about other people and how they had done things to her that, you know, was wrong and so on and so forth. And, um, and at one point I said, you know, when you, when you say you're never going to talk to people in your family, that never just works out. And she said, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I just supposed to, like, forget everything and tell them I love them? I said, yes, you know. And... Um, then there were other things, you know, where that same kind of message uh, was repeated during the course of this, this conversation that we had. And at the end of it, she said something to me that totally surprised me. Well, she said two things that surprised me. She said, number one, she was going to think about what I said. And number two, she thanked me for the call. You know, and, and like I said, I mean, it was a person that easily could have been one where all I, if I focused on what she was saying, I could have responded in kind and so forth. Um, but instead, you know, my thought was, okay, so here's this person. Uh, you know, what does God want me to do? And it ended up being very good. I've got a little bit of challenge now because I'm going to have to try to keep this conversation going. But, you know, there was a really good feeling at the end of that phone call. Well, it's kind of interesting that you say that because— if you would have taken the other road and got angry with her and said, well, the heck with her. I'm not going to talk to her anymore. I'm just going to annoy her. What would have happened to you inside? It would have <laughs> taken you down a notch or two. And I think that's what Satan likes to do. He likes to, like, throw these little barbs at us 
hoping that we will be defeated by them instead of following Jesus's message to love. I'm going to hold you right there for just a second, so don't lose that thought. But uh, now we just uh, take a, just a moment uh, to, uh, to tell you that we are coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, and we are here with Father Jim Matulski, and we are talking about conversion. So I don't know if you uh, wanted to continue that thought, uh, or perhaps you wanted to tell us, you know, um, you know, why, you know, what we can do to perhaps experience conversion or, you know, why it's why it is so important for us. Let me just finish that thought sure, and I'll go absolutely. into it. So um, a long time ago when I was having trouble forgiving people, somebody told me you have to pray for them. And I could never figure that one out at the, in the beginning. And they said, don't pray that what don't don't ask God to change them. Ask God to give them all the blessings that you yourself want. And, and I started figuring out a couple of things. If I asked God to change them, I was actually praying for me. Right? Make my life more comfortable by making them the people I've decided they should be. Right. The other thing is God calls us to love. Now, you might have bad feelings towards somebody. Uh, like, for instance, if somebody... Uh, tries to run you down every time you cross the street, you know that you have to stay out of their, <laughs> their ability to do that, right? You, you can't allow yourself to be thrown into a situation where you, you get hurt constantly. But so you understand that that is not something I can do with this person. I can't be with this person in this way because I don't have the tools to know how to cope with them right now. But you can pray for them and what you're doing then is no matter what you're feeling inside, you're making a choice to give the best of what is within you, who is Jesus Christ, to this person. You're, you're making a choice to love, which means that you're doing God's work. Even if you feel bad, even if you don't like them, you, you're loving them. And uh, I think that that begins to change our heart and make us more susceptible to other people. So, so you have a choice to hate, get angry, live in that, and draw yourself down, your energy down, your, your whole psychic level down, your spiritual level down, or to grow in another direction and live with God. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a conversion of sorts, isn't it? Because right. what you're describing is a situation where in order to do those types of things where you start thinking about that other person instead of yourself, you have to put aside the things that we'll call distractions, you know, these, these desires you have or what have you. You have to feel a certain peace, and then you become more, I mean, you have to feel that peace that, uh, you know, that if, if the Spirit lives in you, if Christ is living in you, that you can feel. And then you do, do start to get to be converted a little bit. You start to imitate Christ a little bit. You start to, I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, that when we ignore maybe some animosity we have towards somebody else and instead maybe gratuitously extend some kindness to them, we feel good. Exactly. You're set free. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I always kind of think of that as like, 
that's sort of like a proof of God's existence all in and of itself. Where does that feeling come from? You put aside, you know, some animosity that you may have, and it's not easy to do, but you put it aside to extend, you know, without any requirement, some kindness to some other person, and you feel good about it. You're, You're connecting to God, the God that dwells deep down within you. Right, he is and, there. And, and you're bringing God to the surface, in a sense. Yeah. And you're experiencing the joy of God's presence, Yeah. which is love. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it works. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so um, when I was ta- thinking about conversion, uh, one of the things that came to my mind is when I was a young boy and was getting ready for confirmation, we were told that we were soldiers of Christ. And um, when I think about conversion, I think about the fact that we need to be soldiers of Christ today because basically, here's what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, um, battle against evil. Finally, draw your strength from the Lord and from his mighty power. Put on the armor of God. You notice Paul doesn't say put on your armor. He says put on the armor of God. That's much stronger. You are putting on God. Remember in baptism, uh, the, the priest or deacon says, you have become a new creation in Christ. See in this white garment an outward sign of your Christian dignity and with your family and friends to help you by word and example, bring that dignity unstained into the everlasting life of heaven. You are, God, we're not, Paul's not telling us to put on our armor. He's telling us to put on God. Why? Because uh, we will be doing battle today against evil. If we, if we are made by God uh, and we have a special purpose, a special reason for our creation, we're meant to restore we're meant to be part of God's instruments to restore what was lost through sin. He's using us. We, we are, in a sense, his, his uh, battle gear, right? I mean, we're more than that, of course. We're his children, and uh, we're part of who he is in the sense that we are created in his image and likeness and that all that we have is his, and all that we have is from him. All that is good within us is a reflection of God. God's DNA, so as to speak, inside of us. So anyway, um, what we're being told is when we put on this armor of God, we're ready for battle today. We are, here's another interesting thing. I'm just going to read you something from um, Isaiah 15, or 59 rather. No, I won't, because I don't see it right offhand. But I can tell you what it says. <laughs> okay, that So work. in Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59 says, um, the people had been begging for God to come forth and to save them. And God had been looking for people and trying to inspire them to come forth to be his instruments. And none of them would. None of them. So finally, in chapter 59 of Isaiah, God says, well, you're crying out to me. I've asked this person, this person. I hoped for somebody to step forward. They don't do it. 
So now I will do it, and I will step forward, and I will save you. I wish I could find that real fast. Let me look and see. Because it's so important what God says, because, ah, here it is. Great. Ah, there you go. Yes. So anyway. Seek and you shall find. Amen. <laughs> so God says, fidelity is lacking, and whoever turns from evil is despoiled. Divine intervention. The Lord saw this and was aggrieved that there was no justice. So then we'll go down. And then he says, he put on justice as his breastplate. Does that sound like Ephesians? Uh, put on the armor of God, right? Victory as his helmet on his head. He clothed himself with garments of vengeance. Now, vengeance here means justice. He was taking away evil and bringing about justice and wrapped himself in the mantle of zeal. So now, this is so important because this is why I wanted to find it because actually what we see happening when Paul tells us to put on the armor of God. And Isaiah, God had to do it by himself. Nobody would help him. Now Paul is saying we, the church, are with God in this battle against evil. Right. Yeah. We, it isn't just God supposed to be doing it. We are his instruments in this battle. So we put him on, and we it's just not me putting it's him on. You, it's the whole church putting yeah. him on. And we do battle against evil and bring about conversion and justice and peace and Jesus Christ in the world. So, so there is where I'm setting. I'm trying to set up some premises as to why we need to, conversion so much. There's why we need conversion so much. You know, if if you were a soldier and you lived in a um, in an occupied area, you were stationed in an occupied area, and your uh, commander woke you up one morning, your sergeant, whoever, and says, we're going out on a reconnaissance mission today. And you say, oh, well, do I want to put on all this stuff? I don't know. Maybe I'll just leave it here today. I'll just go out without any protection. You could do that. Be pretty scary, wouldn't it? So, and pretty foolish. But how many of us put on the armor of God before we start our day? Like I tried to recall this teachings that Paul tells us in Ephesians uh, every morning, even before I get out of bed. So, um, so anyway, um, I think that's where we got to start. So we're gonna, uh, yeah, that's um, um, that is, yeah, that, that would be a crazy thing to do, right? Go into battle without uh, without the armor. But uh, we're gonna be taking a uh, a short break. Uh, this is Saint Joseph Radio presents coming to you live from Saint Louis, Missouri. We're here with Father Jim Matulski talking about all things conversion, why it is important. To have a conversion of heart. To teach your children about our Catholic faith, Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional home 
homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K O L B E.org. Or give them a call. Area code 707 255 6499. That's 707 255 6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. So we're back. Uh, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents. We are... Uh, coming to you live from St. Louis, we are here in studio with Father uh, Jim Mitulski, and we're talking about all things conversion. So, Father, I don't know if you want to pick up where you, you left off. We had, you know, Ephesians, we had Isaiah, and um, boy, there's a lot of talk about armor and battle, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's is all that, from Scripture. I mean, I mean, is that is that is that appropriate? How are we supposed to, you know, when we hear that today? I mean, it's, it sounds strange to us. How are we supposed to regard that? Our armor is the uh, uh, and our uh, our the sword, the armor, the breastplate are all justice, love, and God's truth. So basically, uh, it's not a battle like we're going out and killing people. It's a battle. We hope not. <laughs> where we're going out and trying to kill evil. Yes. Uh, by replacing it with something other than evil, which is good. But I think the, the battle uh, sort of you know metaphor is um, is really appropriate. I mean, it is such a struggle when you're trying to um, trying to combat uh, combat. Hey, right? I'm using the I'm using the same kind of jargon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it does feel like a tremendous fight. Uh, you know, with Perhaps if you encounter evil or trying to, to trying to do, or just inside yourself. Exactly. There are so many temptations, so many thoughts that you get. You know, every you know almost seems like every moment of every day, and it is a struggle. It is a struggle. But as you say, if if you, you know, if you put on the if you utilize these tools and rely on Christ to help you mm -hmm. to use real strength, I mean, that's that's what it is. I mean, it is a fight, isn't it? Exactly. And you know when I when I, when I was talking about this uh, platoon on reconnaissance, and talked about them leaving their their b battle armament at home or in the camp, um, sometimes we don't take seriously how important it is for us to be dressed in our battle armament 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 armament. Um, which is um, prayer, uh, scripture, 
the sacraments and, and uh, to be fortified with God. So that's the other thing that's very important about conversion. A lot of times, you know, we especially as cradle Catholics, uh, we pray. You know, our Father, what in heaven, I'll be the name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I got to say my prayers before I go to bed, and I'm really tired. Uh, so I'll just kind of run through these prayers. But the more, imp- it's not so much running through prayers, but carrying on a conversation with God. So a lot of times, unfortunately, when we just, these prayers that we've learned, the Hail Mary, the Our Father, these are very important prayers. The Rosary, very important prayer. Um, and of course, the sacraments, very important. But um, a lot of times, people just talk to God, but they never listen to God. And that seems to be equally important, to have a conversation with God. So how do you do that? You know, So uh, some of the things I try to do every day is, like for instance, a lot of times when people pray the rosary, they just kind of run through it, right? But it would be good to remember that the rosary is meant to be a prayer of meditation, right? So what does that mean? That means that when you start a decade of the rosary, you should stop right there and say, okay, um, the Annunciation. What was Mary thinking when his angel appeared to him, her? What was Gabriel thinking, the angel, to be sent to announce to the world? that God's coming. And, um, and I'm sure there was all kinds of fear, like our Blessed Mother thinking to herself, oh my goodness, I'm going to be with child. Uh, how will I tell everybody about this? How will I explain this? Right. Sure. Um, so there's fear. Uh, but then you see her great trust, not my will, but yours be done. So I don't like this. This doesn't look good. But I know God's going to take care of me. So... You see all that happening, and you see how there's intervention from heaven to help our Blessed Mother to get ready for this as Gabriel comes to her. So those are all the things you should be meditating on during the beads of the Hail Marys, which are almost like a timepiece to say this is how long you should be meditating on this mystery. So a lot of times people, and I do the same thing, I'll get distracted and I'll go turn, start thinking about the actual prayer, Hail Mary, and that's okay, but uh, there is a bigger um, mystery involved in, 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 the, in the rosary than simply praying the Hail Marys, which are important, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say they're not. I'm just saying that the prayer is meant to be a meditation because, why is that important? That's important because it gives God a chance to, to talk to us, right? Mm-hmm. We're not just moving through words ourselves that can be very repetitions, and consequently we can get distracted, but we're moving through a thought process where we're trying to pick up the mystery of what God could be proclaiming to us. Contemplation is another thing. Now, a big difference between meditation and contemplation is in meditation, you're kind of in charge of how it's going to go, right? I mean, you're not, not really, but you set the stage, right? I'm going to think about Christmas Day. I'm going to think about the birth of Christ. 
So then you do that. But in contemplation, maybe God has something he wants you to be aware of. So in contemplation, you try to be quiet. And the way I start contemplation is I always ask my guardian angel to protect me from any outside influences that wouldn't be of God as I try to open my soul up and my spirit up to God's presence. Um, Then I ask my patron saints to be there to do the same thing and to pray for me, too, that I am open to God's presence. Then I I just say to God, you know, here I am. Um, I don't know what you want to teach me today, what you want to tell me today, how you want to strengthen me today, but I just want to be here with you for this amount of time to let you do this in me. Now, these are our tools, are our armaments, are our weapons to do battle that day with any evil that comes along. We would not be fortified without doing these things to be able to fight the good fight, as Paul says, for the sake of the kingdom of God. So those prayers are very important. And, and the other thing that's very important is honesty about ourselves. Um, Einstein says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, if we're going to confession year after year and saying the same things, probably we need to change something in our spiritual life. You know, and um, when we were talking before the, the show the other day, and I said I might just point out some things uh, about AA. Because I think that's got a great, obviously AA isn't the scriptures, AA isn't the final say of anything, uh, but they can teach us something, right? Why are these people successful in stopping to drink or to do drugs or there's, there's even an AA now or a 12-step program, I guess would be more appropriate to say, for pornography. Oh, really? Yeah, it's run by a, a group of uh, Protestant, uh, a Protestant church somewhere in, um, I think on, I, I'm not sure, but I think in the, in the South. It's a bit, I, they, these programs, they're, um, they're designed what, to help people with a real battle. Exactly. Exactly. So the, we should think about it because we're in a real battle, right? Yeah. So I'm just going to run through those steps a little bit, okay? Sure. So the first step, and I'm going to use alcohol uh, alcohol here because that's what the original program was, and I copied these out of the computer. So we admitted we, that we were powerless over alcohol, and our lives had become unmanageable. Doesn't all sin make our lives unmanageable? You're slave to sin. Amen. You're powerless. Powerless. You said it right there, with slave to sin. You're powerless. Um, so... That's the first thing, humility. You know, sometimes people think that humility is putting yourself down. Humility is just admitting the truth about yourself. That's all it is. And admitting, that admitting, and admitting God's role, admitting Amen. him. Amen. And uh, that's the next step. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Right. right. Okay. And then made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Mm, that's, a, that's, a, that's a progressive, I mean, that's, that's a step in and of itself. Oh, my gosh. 
you know, that takes forever <laughs> for alcoholics to be able to do that. Um, and then made a ser serious, made a searching moral and searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That's scary. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So basically. But that's being honest. Right. What is making me drink? Uh, God can help me. I want to let him help me. And now I have to look at myself to say, what do I need to do things differently? To step back and look at ourselves, to step out of our own character and look at ourselves, perhaps in the way that God looks at us. Amen. That's right. We're looking for the truth. And then the next step is admitted to a God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Now, this is interesting because, like, people will come to confession and they'll say, well, I was angry. And then they leave confession and don't really think about it too much until they get angry again. They never say, well, what's making me angry? Well, how can I change that? What inside of me needs to change that I stop doing this? Because actually when you get angry, you're hurting other people, right? And besides hurting yourself, you're hurting other people. What can I do to change this? You, if you're in a family uh, relationship and you're angry with the other people in the family, just think of what that does, how that tears the family down, right? So what's causing this? Or any other sin, too. Why do I lie all the time? Or why do I um, judge other people all the time? What, what inside of me needs to change? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we never face that. We just say, oh, I will lie again. Or, you know, I'll try harder the next time not to lie. But we really don't bring before God what inside of me, dear God, is broken. We don't take the time to slow down and actually think about it. Right. Yeah. And then admitted to God, ourselves, and to another uh, human being the exact nature of our wrongdoings. Well, isn't that sort of like confession? Right? <laughs> and then we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So we want to change. Metanoia, conversion. Look at world in a completely different way. These are the things that made me able to survive as an alcoholic. What can I do to, to what needs to change in me so that I live a new kind of life, right? So humbly admitted, uh, humbly asked him to remove all my, our shortcomings, and then eight, made a list of all the persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them. So repair the damage we do. That's real healing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. when you do that or go about even some of that, boy, I can just imagine the healing you would feel. All right, right. And maybe they would feel. Exactly. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, sometimes, not necessarily yeah. all the time. Um, made, a list, uh, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And then continue to take a personal inventory, and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. So change the way I do things. Change the thought process. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. And in having a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So basically in Alcoholics Anonymous, you also get a sponsor, like a spiritual director, huh? to be, that will force you or should force you to be honest with yourself so that when you start like kidding yourself that, right. and we can all do that in all of our lives. So I think there's a lot of good things in this program. Well, how does that stop you drinking? Well, that's interesting because Einstein also said something else. Einstein said, the same consciousness that created the problem cannot solve the problem. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what this program does is it teaches you to think a different way. So I think that's part of conversion, too. We have to begin to think a different way because basically we keep doing the same things over again because we think that they are beneficial to us or we think they're going to make us happy or we think, well, we, we feel that a need that we have inside of us is being fulfilled by this particular issue that our sin that we might be committing. And basically, what we're trying, there's a guy named Maslow who used to, uh, uh, psychologist, yeah, yeah, psychologist uh, and a lot of people. Before we uh, talk about Mr. Maslow, uh, let me just uh, remind everybody that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents. We're coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm going to make just a, a little announcement. So there is a Catholic Woman of the Year uh, award that is, that is coming out. And it is, there is still time to submit applications if there's somebody that you want to nominate. You think uh, somebody's a good uh, a woman is a good uh, example of, of, of being a Catholic. And uh, if you can submit your application by September 1. You need to submit it by September 1st. Uh, you can call 636-447-6000 if you have uh, any more questions on that. Or you can visit our website, stjosephradio.net. So, um, as I said uh, before, we are talking about all things conversion with Father Jim Matulski. So, Father Jim, if you can remember where I interrupted you. Maslow. Maslow. Um, he had, uh, a lot of people don't like Maslow, don't agree with him, but this I think is very interesting. He had a hierarchy of needs, and he says you got to take care of these needs. But he also says in that hierarchy of needs, he points out that if these needs are not taken care of, you will find something else to take care of them with. You'll eat garbage, in other words. You know, if you're hungry and you don't have any good food, you'll eat garbage. I've seen it happen in, in third world countries, uh, not in person, but on, on, on newsreels where people actually are eating stuff that I would never want to eat. Yeah. But sin is garbage, right? Spiritual garbage. So basically uh, what happens is when we don't take care of the spiritual need that we have for God, we will go to other things to have that need fulfilled. When I was a little kid, uh, I used to walk to school, all right? Uh, lived in O'Fallon, Missouri. We lived about a mile away from school. There was no iPhone. Did you used to go to Assumption? Yeah. That's my yeah. church. That's my parish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went there. I went there in St. Dominic's High School. Ah. F first couple of years was Assumption High School, and then it turned to St. Dominic's. So that's how old I am. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh there was nothing to do except think. 
on my way to school. Didn't have any Sony Walkman, didn't have any iPhone? No, no, no. No Bluetooth earphones? Exactly. There was nothing like that. There was nothing like that. So basically, I think that we're being robbed today of opportunities to pray. Because as soon as we feel restless, we grab our phone and look at the screen. Fill in the gap with something else. Exactly. And I think this is really a dangerous thing, you know. And we can never be quiet. Always to have to have the radio on. Always. You know, when you were talking earlier about uh, meditation, contemplation, prayers, and tools and things we put into our, our quiver of arrows to, to do battle, what I was thinking of was the prayer of quiet that St. Teresa of Avila talks about. And I was thinking about adoration. And there's nothing in adoration but quiet. Amen. Amen. And um, I know, I can feel when I haven't gone to adoration enough. You know, I, I miss I miss it. And part of it is the fact that it's so different from everything, all the garbage, that all the noise that fills our lives all the rest of the time. And then, of course, what I've come to understand over the years is that there is real strength there. Um, there is a presence there, and it's, it's hard to try to practice a prayer of quiet, silence my mind, and get out of the way and listen. What is it? Is, is another, isn't it also in Isaiah where he talks about, you know, God was in the, it was a whisper? A whisper. You know, yeah. and there was, there was this tumult and that tumult, and, but there was no God. But then when it was quiet, Right. In the exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because God is dwelling within us, but we have to create a environment in which we can come in connection with the God within us. Right. And silence seems to be the biggest uh, way to go deep into that connection. Uh, because otherwise, we're in control once again. Yeah. We're controlling the, the narrative. Right. And the same mind that created the problem cannot solve the problem. The problem. Like said. <laughs> All you got to do is spin around in a circle. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. But now it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the time is, I think it was Cardinal George up in Chicago who said, you know, if you spend any kind of real time or significant time in adoration, it will change you. Oh, yeah. And... But of course it will, because he's there. Exactly. You know, and uh, um, if you want, you know, to try to convert some of the ways of your thinking or, you know, some of your habits and so forth, go there. I just, I just, you know, um, yeah, uh, you know, there, you know, different. But I mean, you know, when you were talking before about the, you know, different forms of prayer and so forth, when I try to practice those forms of prayer in the house and on my own. Um, they're beautiful, they're rewarding, they're helpful, but it just feels different in adoration. Well, you're in the real presence. <laughs> right? I mean, God is always with us, but why did he give us that sacrament of the Eucharist? I mean, to we are tactile people. When we, when we uh, see this outward sign of God's presence, I think it sets our mood at a different level and allows us to uh, connect easier to the God that dwells within us. Um, yeah, 
it's it's a lot of different mood things. It's like where you are, a sacred place, a sacred place. Um, you know, when you're home, sometimes you sit in a place, maybe every day, the same place to pray. But uh, like I, I, since I've been at my sister's house, I've been uh, I go out into her back porch, which is the screen and porch, and try to pray there. But then there'll be all kinds of distractions. Neighbor will let the dog out, or somebody will start playing music, or all kinds of things like that. And you kind of, when you're in church, you know that those distractions aren't going to happen. And I think it kind of sets your mood, and you, it sets you in the psychological place where you can go deeper because you're not expecting something to get in the way of it, yeah. if that makes any sense to you. Oh, it certainly does. Yeah, yeah it certainly does. You know, getting those dis- distractions out of the way. It's, Amen. It's yeah. hard to do. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's its when he can talk to you. Somebody, I was listening to somebody, uh, somebody who was giving a reflection on adoration one time, and they asked him about it, and what does he do? Somebody asked him, you know, what do you do spending all that time, you know, there, you know, quiet in adoration? I just look at him, and he looks at me. Amen. <laughs> it's yeah. just a very simple. And, uh, you know, after that, I've, I've after I've heard that, I, I tried to, Maybe experience that a little bit, but you can. Yes, and it's beautiful. Yes. So, um, when you said that, ah, that's our cue, Father. That's our cue. We could keep going for a long time, I'm sure. Um, this topic of conversion, changing your heart, changing the way you think about things, trying to understand what God wants for you, and then converting your life in order to to try to do it. So important uh, for all of us uh, to understand. And uh, to think about uh, uh, today. And uh, Father, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for giving us the things uh, that you have to, to think about, these, these images of, of battle and how important it is for us to approach this with real earnest, uh, earnestness and understand that it is a struggle. It is a battle. And then giving us the tools that we have to do it, primarily prayer. Why not? I mean, how else can you draw on the, the strength of God but, but through prayer? So I want to thank you. For being here, I want to thank all our our listeners for joining us. This has been uh, St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ.